Hey everybody, you're listening to Bonus Features Podcast, a podcast about music and animation. I'm Corduroy. I'm Meta Senpai, and in today's episode, we will be talking about the movie that took home two Oscars for Best Original Song and Best Animated Feature, Coco. So stay tuned, we got a lot of bonus features coming your way. talking about Coco today, but before we start talking about the movie, I just want to kind of say a few things about like why this film is important and why it means a lot to people, especially like Latino people, Mexican people, just people of color. But anyway, Coco is a Pixar film, and Pixar is known for making incredible animated films. They've made Toy Story. They've made a lot of movies. They're the first, like, really good, like, CG movie, because, like, Toy Story still looks amazing, like, yeah. 25 years later, or 20-whatever number it is. It's more than 20 years later. Yeah. And it still looks great. But anyway... Pixar films are not only stunning visually, but contain very impactful narratives, and they translate well for children and adults. Toy Story, Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, yeah, that's Pixar. I think, yeah, that's Pixar. All of those movies have great messages. Coco not only received an Oscar for Best Animated Feature, beating out Boss Baby, Thank which, goodness. like, we knew that anyway. Yeah, I hope. But it also took home the award for best original song for Remember Me. Mm-hmm. That's a great song. We'll talk about that later. This is Pixar's first film with a minority lead character and first film that takes place in Mexico and is about, you know, brown people. It's not about monsters, cars, fish, toys. It's just about, like, people. People. And they're not white. Can you believe? That's a that's a dang flipping miracle, to be honest. Can you believe that? I can. I just, woo, buddy. I seen the movie too, and I still don't believe it. So it features a predominantly Latino cast. Just to name some people that are featured in the movie, we have Gael Garcia Bernal. He's famous for the movie The Motorcycle Diaries in Itumama Tambien. Benjamin Bratt. He's in a bunch of shows like Law and Order, Private Practice, Miss Congeniality, Renee Victor, and Anthony Gonzalez. And Anthony Gonzalez is the voice of the main character, Miguel. And this is the 12 year old's first major role. He also does all of his singing for his character, which is great. Also, he's bilingual, which, like, so he's voice acting and singing in Spanish and in English, like, which is a feat. That's like five things that I can't do. Despite Disney awkwardly trying to trademark El Dia de los Muertos. I read about that. Wow. Which was the tentative title of the film until I guess they realized 
wow, like, first yeah. of all, what an unoriginal name to a film. And second of all, that's not something you can trademark because it's a flipping holiday. I yeah. wanted to curse, but I refrained. They did that in, like, 2013, was it? They tried to. They tried to. Trademark it. And then a bunch of people signed a petition and was like, this is a holiday. Are you stupid, Disney? What are y'all thinking? That's like trademarking Christmas. That's actually like trademarking Christmas. Like, it's a holiday. You can't do that. (laughs) I don't know. Coca-Cola did it. Polar bears belong to (laughs) Coca-Cola. But anyway, they changed the title to Coco because, Common sense. Coca-Cola. See, oh, coincidence? This is just, I think not. This is one big this is a conspiracy. conspiracy. Holy, <laughs> Illuminati. But um, anyway, the Pixar team made several trips to Mexico because after that first blunder, they were. I think they realized, like, if we're going to make a movie about Mexican people that takes place in Mexico, like, we need to make it authentic and we need to not, like, offend anyone. So they took several trips to Mexico to help to find the character and the story of Coco. So the film is directed by Lee Unkreich and co-directed by Adrian Molina. It is the largest United States production ever to feature a largely all Latino cast. It was released in Mexico, like first, like theatrically released. I didn't know that, wow. I did yeah. not know that, that's really cool. Um, it was actually released the weekend before Dia de los Muertos in Mexico, and it is the highest grossing film in Mexican history. That's amazing. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that, actually. I heard well, about that a while ago, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Animation's breaking a lot of, yeah. a lot of ceilings there. Animation. Recently. People, yeah, like, people just kind of ignore or don't pay attention to animation, but it's, it's I'm, pretty huge. Yeah. I'm looking at you, the Oscars. The Oscars. I think they're learning, though. Maybe. Boss Probably. Baby. Boss Baby. <laughs> so yeah, it was released in the U.S. in November of 2017. It received critical praise for its animation, vocal performances, music, emotional story, and for paying respect to Mexican culture. It grossed over $769 million worldwide. Jeez Louise. Okay. So yeah. Like, very successful movie. Very successful movie. I haven't really heard anyone say anything really bad about it, so... I mean, it's hard to kind of... I feel like anything... Saying, I mean, the only thing bad you can say about it is just, like, it's, you know, the Disney formula it is. and everything like that, but it's so done so well, it doesn't matter. You you know what it is, but it's it takes yeah, you it's anyway. Like, you know what it is, but they do it so well that it's just, like, whatever. Like, Pixar is amazing. Yeah. It also... That movie came out the same weekend as Justice League, which was trash. Which, like, I'm pretty sure I saw a headline that was like, Justice League is the lowest grossing superhero movie to come out in, like, the past, like, 30 years or Rest something like that. Rest in peace. Sorry. Sorry, DC. Okay, so before we start talking about Coco and the movie and everything, I kind of want to talk about Day of the Dead a little bit and kind of what that's all about. So, uh, Dia de los Muertos, 
or Day of the Dead, or how it's commonly known in Mexico, Dia de Muertos, is a celebration of loved ones who have passed away. It's a multiple-day holiday, so it takes place from October 31st to November 2nd, and basically consists of family members visiting the graves of loved ones and friends who have passed away. It's kind of a way to help guide them through their spiritual journey, but it's it basically it's a lot of offerings, so... You know, you'll bring food and beverages and possessions of the loved one and uh, place it upon their grave. Yeah, it's, as well as their picture as well. But um, it's kind of to help them, help guide them on their spiritual journey and it's kind of comfort yeah. from the real world. I know that it's and, so that the people who are in the land of the dead, it's so they aren't forgotten. So they put up pictures on an ofrenda, which is just like a, not an altar, but just like a case of like pictures flowers and yeah, pictures and, and it's it's, it's kind of like i guess it's kind of like an altar but not yeah so i think of altar because ofrenda means like offering and yeah I just think of an altar but it's if it's in your house it's like not an altar it's just like a table or a case i mean i don't have one <laughs> not nor do i i'm not yeah i'm not latino Okay, so that's Day of the Dead, and it's pretty, you know, it's celebrated in several places around the world, and it is the main focus and theme of Coco. I'm going to kind of sum up the basic plot of the movie without any spoilers, of course, because, you We're know, spoiler free, baby. We don't do that around here. That's, we don't do spoilers. That's heck. So. Coco. Okay, Coco begins in true Pixar fashion. Pixar is known for their beautiful montage, like expositions at the beginning of their movies. This one reminded me kind of of Up. It wasn't as sad oh, as Up. Oh, yeah. But very this one up-ish. was more, yeah, very uppish. So it starts with the incredibly detailed history of Coco's family shown to us through papeles picados, a traditional Mexican folk art where designs are intricately cut out of bright colored papers. And through this montage, we are shown the history of Miguel's family. He has his great-great-grandmother, Imelda Rivera, and she's the wife of a popular musician in Mexico. They were a happy family. They love to sing. They love to play music with their three-year-old daughter, Coco. And... Coco's father wanted fame and wanted to be a musician, so he kind of abandoned her and left because men are trash. That is, and men are trash. If there's anything you can take away from this podcast, that's that's what I want you to take away. I, it's not, I think that should be the title of the episode. <laughs> that's that's the title of the episode now, Men Are Trash. Men, <laughs> men are trash. Coco's father wanted fame, so he left his family and abandoned his wife, Imelda, and his daughter, Coco. As a result of that, Imelda banished music in her family and started a shoemaking business that was passed down throughout their family. Flash forward 96 years later, Imelda's great-great-grandson lives with Coco. Miguel is a 12-year-old boy who loves music even though he knows it's forbidden in his family. He's, he's so fun he's fun he's a fun person he's very uh inspired and yeah like he's talented just immediately really talented he's really talented and just like a little ball of energy 
he secretly goes into town and enjoys music and he idolizes Ernesto de la Cruz, a famous actor and musician from Coco's generation. And so Miguel finds a picture of Coco and her parents, Imelda, and her father's face is actually ripped out of that photo and it, it was just ripped out a long time ago. But he unravels the photo after it falls from the ofrenda and it's revealed that Coco's father had Ernesto's guitar. Miguel concludes that Ernesto is his great-great-grandfather and decides to keep playing music and to enter a talent contest for the Day of the Dead. And that's kind of how the story starts. He enters Ernesto's mausoleum and steals his guitar to use it for the show, but becomes invisible to everyone in the village plaza. He is then greeted by a dog and skeletal versions of his family members visiting from the land of the dead. Discovering that he is cursed for stealing from the dead, Miguel must return to the land of the living before sunrise or he will become dead too. That's where it gets pretty dark. Spooky. To return to the land of the living, he must receive a blessing from a family member using an Aztec marigold petal that can undo the curse placed upon him when he stole Ernesto's guitar. Opposed to taking Imelda's blessing, restricting him from playing music, he searches for Ernesto in the land of the dead to get his blessing before sunrise. So we kind of spend the majority of the movie in this, in the land of the dead, which is really, really colorful and filled Gorgeous. with... Filled with the alebrijes. Spirit. The spirit. Animals. Animal things. Kind of things. They are like, they're actually like little paper mache, like spirit animals. But They're like guides. Yeah, well like, they in the real world they are actually like little right. crafts. Okay, yeah. But in the land of the dead they are these spirit animals that are really vividly colored and pretty awesome. I was saying that I want there to be a Kingdom Hearts Coco level. That would be so beautiful. Oh my gosh. Like, it would be incredible. Mm, I, If they surprised us with that, like, that would make me genuinely want to play the game. I already want to play the game, but yeah, I would want to play it even more. Way more. Now we're at the part of the show where we talk about music. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite part so the music in coco is really different from other disney movies and also pixar movies this is pixar's first movie where like music was a main focus in the film yeah because pixar disney's known for their musicals obviously but pixar doesn't really do that but this is pixar's first movie where music is actually a huge part of the film and I love all the music in Coco I in recent years became a fan of mariachi music because it's really fun and upbeat and I've always been a fan of all of the horns and just how there's that big band sound it's just really fun and upbeat I like it I, I do as well it's very different from the typical Pixar yes. fair and I stand I stand mariachi I like mariachi <laughs> I think mariachi is really cool. It's very fast-paced and yeah. energetic. The guitar like, playing is wild. In their outfits. 
Have, if you've ever seen like one of yes. the bands, their outfits are fire, the best. Like yes, commitment. So it's like a marching band, but just more Latino and mm-hmm. beautiful. The music is composed by Michael Giacchino and features musical tracks from the cast. And Anthony Gonzalez, who plays Miguel, and like I said earlier, is 12 years old, performs The World as Mi Familia in Un Poco Loco. And we're going to actually listen to a portion of Un Poco Loco right now. You make me un poco loco, un poquititito loco, the way you keep me guessing, I'm nodding and I'm guessing, now count it as a blessing, that I'm only un poco loco. Okay, that was Un Poco Loco, performed by Anthony Gonzalez and... Ah, Gael Garcia Bernal. Ah, that was so cool. Like, like, Medicine Pie pointed out the, like, yelling at the end. I don't know what that's called, but it was... I like it. Like, <laughs> it's just... It's very fun. It's fun, and it's, like, not... It's just, like, not what we're used to hearing in, like, musicals. So, un poco loco. It's our first glimpse at how much Miguel and Hector have in common... It's a good, it's a film. good bonding song yeah. for them. Put them on your head. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a fan of the Spanglish in the movie, and it's similar to The World That's Me Familia, which, like, just that title alone is Spanglish. Also, on the soundtrack, there are full Spanish versions of each song, which, yes. Yes, very awesome. much so, yes. Yes, Awesome. So, Un Poco Loco, that was a, yeah, that was kind of like in the middle of the film. And so the next song is La Llorona, and it's a song that, it shows that Miguel's great-great-grandmother, Amelda doesn't actually hate music. And, and she's actually she herself actually, musically talented and yeah, can sing. She's a v- very good singer and like, you can tell that she, like, misses music. Explain that, auntie. Explain it. She has a beautiful voice. So we're going to listen to a little bit of that song, too. This is La Llorona. I love my Sharona. Y aunque la vida me cueste llorona, no dejaré de quererte. No dejaré. Did you enjoy the song? I love that song. La Llorona. The song is actually from a 19th century Mexican folk song with the same name. It fits into the movie really well because Imelda, who's singing it, also Miguel's great-great-grandmother who banished music from their family, she is La Llorona, which means, La Llorona means the weeping lady. And she loses the love of her life, and she loses music also. So, she's the weeping lady. She is. She's lost a lot. And the song kind of starts off as a sad song, but then it like 
kind of erupts into like a power ballad and at the end it's very like it's just like i don't know big like i'm trying to think of someone uh it's gone i can't think of it it's gone but yeah it's a it erupts into a pretty big performance at the end the next song that we're going to talk about is remember me do you remember me? Remember me. It's a Kingdom Hearts song. Okay, so remember me. It's a great song. It's a very sad it's, song. Yeah, it can. it's sad. There's different versions of the song that play throughout the movie. One of them is very sad. The other yeah. one isn't as sad. You need... Yeah. So... Depending on the context of the song, yeah. it's uh, it can be very sad. Because we discover something in the middle of the movie like most movies you know there's a twist and that changes the meaning of the song remember me is the song that won best original song at the oscars and the oscar for best original song is the second academy award won by robert lopez and Kristen anderson lopez the duo that created it this duo also won an Academy Award for the song Let It Go from Frozen, which... Never saw it. You're lying. I very much am. I did not like that song. Why? Because it's too much. It's too much. Why? It overloaded my senses. How? The song is good. It's a good song. It just grates on you when it's on the radio, and then your little sister won't shut up about it for 10 years. It's a great song. Great song. Um, Just don't play it on the radio. When I went to see that movie, I saw the movie in theaters twice. The first time I saw that song, my wig was snatched. It was snatched. Ah! You can't like, just say that. I, don't, oh, I can oh, say that. No, you can say that, but it's scary. <laughs> I did not expect that. That song... <laughs> She did, Idina Menzel, she did that. Oh, she did, though. You ever so, seen someone sing before? You ain't seen no one sing until you've seen uh, Homegirl sing that song. She did that. And so, the same duo that created Let It Go also wrote Remember Me. And the first version of the song is performed by Ernesto de la Cruz in a Bolero Ranchero music style. Bolero Ranchero is a hybrid musical genre that stems from the Bolero style, which originated in Cuba, and the Mexican Ranchero style that became popular in the 20s and 30s. It's just like a fusion of those two styles. And the other version is a lullaby version that Hector sings in the Land of the Dead to a man who is being forgotten in the land of the alive people. Yeah. The human realm. I don't know what to call it, but so once your relatives that are still alive forget about you, you disappear. And so Hector was singing this lullaby to his friend who was being forgotten. So that is why it's sad. It's also sad because 
Miguel sings it to Coco at the end of the movie, and that's really feelsy. Not going to get into that because spoilers, but the song is beautiful, and it's a very emotional point in the movie. So I guess I could play, we could play a little bit of both, like, of the versions. That sounds good to me. So this first version is the Ranchero version. Remember me. Have to say goodbye, remember me Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far That was the version of Remember Me by Ernesto de la Cruz The kind of Mexican ranchero version The version we're going to listen to now is Remember Me, the like... It is a lullaby, but this is the reunion version. There's many versions of this song. You will hear it many times if in the you, movie. If you've seen this movie, you know that. If you haven't, it can be a little confusing. But anyway, this is Remember Me, Reunion. Remember me, though I have to travel far. Remember me. Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you The only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Remember That was the reunion version of Remember Me. It's very feelsy. Yeah, it's very it's very good. I think it's my favorite version of the song. It's definitely the most like emotional, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. So those were three songs in Coco that we liked. Mm-hmm. Very much enjoyed the soundtrack overall. So yeah, it's a great soundtrack. So to sum things up, I guess we should say like if you if you are a fan of like I want to say Halloween. If you're a fan of, like, kind of Halloween-y movies, but you're tired of the same... I guess, I don't know. Do you think people will start watching this around Halloween? I think I would, personally. I like Halloween. Well, and I can't really call it a Halloween movie, but... Because it's, like... Because it's not. Definitely not, but... But it does have the the aesthetics of... A similar aesthetic to Halloween. So I'd probably watch it around that time. Yeah. Um, We just kind of, like, associate... Dia de los Muertos with Halloween because it starts on, did you say the 30th of October? The 31st to the 2nd. So it starts on Halloween here. Yeah, it starts on Halloween here and then it goes like for two more days after that. And the way things are decorated and you know, it's it's, it's very similar except one's a lot more uh, One's a lot more spiritual and then one's a lot more kind of commercial. Yeah. But you can draw parallels between the two. If you're interested in learning more about Dia de los Muertos, this is a perfect movie to kind of start. Also, another good movie about Dia de los Muertos is The Book of Life. 2014 Real FX Creative Studios and 20th Century Fox produced that. Also, one of their producers was Guillermo del Toro, which we just found out. Yeah, that's very interesting. I did not know that. That kind of brings us 
yeah, that was. Do you have anything else to add, Medicine Pie? Uh, not really. Really good movie. I recommend <laughs> it to every person. What would you rate it out of ten? Oh God. Uh, um, I you know my personal enjoyment, I'd probably say around an eight, because it just it hit all the right spots. It was just yeah, very good. The good. Movie. The pressure points. All yeah. The good pressure points. There was just there's not a there's nothing really bad I can say about it. It was well directed and everything, so yeah, a lot, lot of lot of positives. Like I said earlier, for me it was really cool to see a Pixar film that like featured like brown people, yeah. and not even like brown like minorities in the U.S. Like it was about a Mexican family in Mexico. Culturally, it is an I think it's an important movie. So, and clearly, like. It was the most highest-grossing film in Mexican history, so... It had an impact. Clearly, it had an impact, and I think we have more film... Like, more films are making, like, cultural impact. Not animation, but obviously the Black Panther is doing phenomenally. Yeah. And has broken many records. It is the highest-grossing superhero film of all time. I did not know that. Yeah, it beat out the um, Avengers, like the original Avengers. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. Cool. So, Good. I guess domestically it is the highest grossing superhero film of all time, and it's still being screened worldwide. Awesome. So, yeah. Cultural impacts. Yay! Thank you all for listening to Bonus Features Podcast where we celebrate cultural differences and impacts and you know that's what we do here that's that's what we do it's what we're about so thank you all for listening shout out to our multimedia directors luke baker and george wassell shout out to our ghost producer who my friend who produces our music for us fellow shout out to garnet media group and to you guys, our fans. <laughs> Thank Why y'all you, so don't much. Don't laugh at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't laugh at that. We have fans. I don't know where my that, mom. Not even. Not even my mom. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. <laughs>